What is up, Sports World? You got Scott in his bald spot here with Jacob and Taylor, uh, back for another episode of Fourth and Forever Sports. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? <laughs> dude, that's here's the, the thing, bald spot's dude. like a fourth person. <laughs> here's the thing. We have a fourth and forever. We have a fourth and forever Twitter. We should make one for Scott's bald spot. Mm. When and if we do come out with merch, it'll feature the bald spot and uh, the Batman signal. Love oh, it. for sure. Could we do like, think about this for just a second. Could we do like a the Batman, you know, uh, the bat signal, right? Signal, but, yeah. but give it like a cul-de-sac. <laughs> 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 so you there's just funny? a few hairs like right here <laughs> you know what's funny is that when and if this comes out on on youtube eventually people are gonna be like expecting some actually mostly bald gentlemen and i am i do have a bald spot and a five head but much more hair than the viewers will expect They're like who is that guy he's got more hair than sit up making that sit up straight for just a second i would say or, or your feelings will be really really hurt <laughs> because they're not they're not surprised at all either right. way either way right it's, yeah but anyway, most, gentlemen, most middle-aged men are just rocking the Scott. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a look, uh, it's a vibe. Yeah, yeah, it's a vibe for sure. I do it well. It's fine. I'm happy with it. I'm, I'm gonna be there sometime. I'm, I'm glad you're just yeah. hanging on, dude. Most people just get rid of it. You're rocking what oh, you got. Man. I like that. I, I don't look good with a shaved head. Speaking from my my days in the military, I've seen it. I'm till the last. I'm hanging. <laughs> I'm be rocking comb-overs <laughs> or. Whatever Still I gotta do. Last. <laughs> oh gosh, Humpty Dumpty the egghead. Yep, facts. <laughs> Hell yeah! Welcome back, episode eight. Yeah, coming in hot. But anyway, good. I hope I hope people are still listening. <laughs> yeah, and they've already tuned out. They're like, oh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a five head episode, so we're done. Yeah, uh, the, the balding again, right? The balding, <laughs> the rebalding. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, sir, how are you doing, man? Good to see you. Even though I hate you, man, right I'm now. so good. Uh, it's okay. I mean, really, it's fine. Just, I mean, not ten minutes ago, you were ragging on the Saints, and everybody didn't get to hear that. So I'll it just it makes me too. look like a jerk as soon as we start the podcast. Thanks, Scott. Nah, dude, I'm not good. Done. I'm doing real good. We so just a a fun fact about my day. We like to buy some locally raised beef from a uh, instructor we had at college and they are always tremendous steaks roasts brisket you know you name it and i love smoking some meat right i made steaks tonight the brisket is basically this was christmas in september for me so shout out to allison anderson anderson farms you guys rock what does he what do the what do they teach so she actually is no longer an instructor there, but she was one of the main ag faculty at Northeastern Oklahoma A&M College, Miami, Oklahoma. Shout out, shout out. Go, go, NEO. All right. So professing and actually agging. Good for her. That's awesome. That's right. That's dude. So Jacob actually sent a picture of the steak before and after to our group chat. And my mouth is still watering. Big facts. No, it was incredible. Really? So you guys know? It looked good. I'm guessing your wife, your wife grilled that steak up, right, or smoked that steak up, because I know that that wasn't you. You don't have those culinary skills. Hmm. Let me tell you something, Scott. 250 degrees, 15 minutes each side. Then you crank it up to 350, and you give it about a minute 37 aside. Minute minute 37, dude. The precision. Well, I've, I've screwed a lot of steak up. Yeah. <laughs> 
I know. What I know. The, Tom Rex Rexwinkle taught you that remedy. What if the cut is pretty much no. or thinner? I mean, this is still a minute thirty-seven. You got to take that into the equation. Do you always no, have? I mean, exact- if it's, first of all, first of all, a good butcher is going to give you almost an exact same cut every time, Scott. All right. Secondly, if it's thinner, it's going to be shorter time. This is simple math. Hashtag math. Well, dude, when my wife starts complaining about steaks, I'm going to start blaming it on the butcher. <laughs> like we just need to find a new butcher. These I steaks are I had different. A thicker cut, baby. It's not my fault. Dang. <laughs> that that reminds me of on Tommy Boy when Chris Farley's like, "Well, you could stick your head up the steer's ass." <laughs> Such a good movie, Tommy Boy man. Taylor, Taylor, moving on, sir. How we doing? I got a. I see you're rocking the KC hat, enjoying the win, victory, victory. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, what day are we in? Victory Tuesday, Wednesday hat. And then uh, also, what did you eat for dinner that wasn't as good as Jacob's steak? Um, so I'm feeling good, number one. Um, the Chiefs did get a win. And though you both predicted the Jacks, Jags victory, um, Andy Reid and the boys didn't listen. Um, to to be completely honest with you, this is going to be kind of weird. And you, you asked me a weird night for my dinner because my wife decided she wanted... Um, <laughs> sauerkraut and sausage and that's a good meal i mean i didn't i I didn't grow up on it but it's it's not bad dude it's kind of tasty so Mm. so uh, yeah it was good i'm i'm full and i'm ready to do this sauerkraut's a good sauerkraut is a good time i will never turn like and like kielbasa sausage let's go all day yeah man i've never i've never had that but it's crazy that you just had it because on saturday this weekend somebody else was telling me how good sauerkraut and sausage is because you know oktoberfest is coming up and like them folks eat a lot of that and so i guess i'm gonna have to venture into that like sauerkraut on like a broad or anything nope (sighs) interesting you were a sheltered person and that makes me sad I'll be in. I'm going to be in I Bavaria. Just, I just told the, you how to smoke a steak to perfection, and you're telling me I'm sheltered. Come on, kid. Yes, <laughs> I, I will say it again. <laughs> Doubles up on it. <laughs> no, I'm going to be in Bavaria this fall. I'm going to be eat all the bratwurst, all the sauerkraut, all the schnitzel, and I'm so excited about it. For the people that don't know, where is Bavaria? It's a uh, southern Germany and also Austria. Munich and Salzburg and the surrounding areas. Alps. Scott, and... big big fan of their steak. Scott, yeah. you a big beer guy? You know, I enjoy enjoying go. Uh, I can't talk. Yes, I, I like beer. <laughs> He's <laughs> slurring just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. And dude, I just so more so. So full disclosure, I went to Switzerland last year and fell in love like the alps are incredible people are awesome the food is amazing um and i usually whenever i travel internationally i try not to go back to the same place because the world's too big and i had to fight myself from going back to switzerland this fall again and so instead of switzerland i went switzerland adjacent and so it's just like the eastern alps so it's pretty much switzerland switzerland light pretty much so that's that's why we we decided on bavaria pretty excited about it Cool, big traveler. Yeah, man, I try. I try at least once a year to get out of the country and go see stuff. It's too small of a world. Although, uh, I think prices are about to skyrocket because international travel travel has taken hell off. So I may be throttling back a little bit in that regard. Yeah, gas is almost up to $4 a gallon. So 
in Kansas anyway. I know it's probably higher elsewhere, but yeah, it's getting up there. We're not we're not going to get to the, into the geopolitics of we, like OPEC and no, all we sh- that jazz. We should. Okay, this is the now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is now Bloomberg light. Uh, so let's talk about how uh, the Saudis and Russia's uh, Russia has decided to continue their reduction in oil production. Um, no, we're not moving. Wish on. they wouldn't. Wish they wouldn't. Not to whip out the Lamba feedies. Hey, listen, we're from Oklahoma, so actually that reduction in oil does us a solid because you know all of a sudden you see rigs going up left and right when they were down there for a minute when we had that I, oil blow. I, I didn't hey, see this conversation going crazy. this way. Gas <laughs> prices are still crazy. I do have Maybe a lot of friends that work at refineries, though. So shout out, shout out, shout out, shout out, shout out. I got a lot of friends who work at gas stations. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I guess we should get into the show since we touched on the important stuff uh, like Jacob's steak and my bald spot. Yeah, you bet, Bob. You bet. Oh man. So football. That's, uh, that's what we're here to talk about. Let's uh, let's start with the college side of it. It's kind of a boring weekend in some regards. Kind of a topsy turvy weekend in other regards. And uh, a couple big games. Uh, first and foremost, K State dropping a heartbreaker. Some would say. Or or a thriller, some Missourians would say. You know, who, people who live just to the east of you guys. What are y'all's takes? Yeah, man. Uh, here's the thing. That game was kind of crazy. I didn't get to watch all of it. The K-State offense was kind of stymied a little bit for the first time this season. I know there's a little bit of an asterisk there because they haven't like really played anybody yet. I did not expect Missouri to be the team that would be quote-unquote somebody. If we're being completely honest, the conditions were not great. It was rainy. It was, you know, kind of miserable out there. The K-State Wildcats did have a couple key injuries down the stretch in that game. Will Howard got dinged up a little bit. Uh, Treshawn Ward got dinged up a little bit. They had a wide receiver get dinged up. So, I mean, it's just, it sucks, really, if you're a K-State fan. Congrats to Mizzou, but we're not Mizzou fans, so. Sucks for K-State. Man, the kid banged through a 62-yarder, I think, in the rain. It's just a a miracle moment kind of thing. You're not going to see that very often, especially in college. So shout-out to that kid for for making the kick. And in fairness, if you're talking about the Wild, I would take Tigers over Wildcats nine out of ten times. Well, what kind of Wildcat are we talking about? Uh, the term wildcat is pretty ambiguous, but tigers, man, have you seen those guys? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's a tough one for K-State. Um, and obviously, you don't want to lose any Big 12 teams. But that being said, you hate to lose to Mizzou, too. So Facts. that's a heartbreaker. I, I think they bounce back and look better, look better this week. Yeah, I I like that K-State team a lot. I hope that. There's no serious injuries. I haven't looked at a report today, so I hope to see um, Treshawn Ward specifically and Will Howard both healthy because those guys are such huge parts of that offense. But let's circle back just for a second to Scott's Wildcat comment because the Wildcat, <laughs> they like he just wrote off like it could have been Tiger versus Tiger. You know what I mean? Because a Wildcat it could also be a Tiger or a Puma or a Cheetah or a lot of other things. So let's just agree that Scott was wrong. 
I just like the fact that M- Mizzou commits to something, right? So K-State is like, which cat do we feel like today? Is it going to be a Puma today? Is it a Jaguar? I don't know. Maybe a, a feral house cat? Who knows? Would you rather have multiple options or be pigeonholed into only one? Well, I mean, if one of those options is like a, you know, a bobcat, then no, I'm going to take, I'm going to take tiger all day. To be fair, Saturday, they were probably wishing they were a tiger. (laughs) Yep. Every man a tiger. Am I right? (laughs) Sorry to all the K-State fans that listen. Please continue to listen to our podcast. (laughs) Sorry to to everybody (laughs) listening. (laughs) No, we're not sorry to Mizzou. They won. Uh, We can rag on them. If they lost, we will be ragging on them. So let's go. Let's shift into some other animals, uh, namely the buffalo, who stampeded all over some rams uh, in the Colorado State. Great white buffalo. <laughs> you guys seen Hot Tub Time Machine? Great white buffalo. Cordell man. Jackson, if you listen to this, you'll love that. I know you will. Also Daltonburg. Anyway, yeah, dude, Colorado, Colorado, the battle of the Colorados. That game was crazy. I wish I could say that I watched the entire thing. Sounds like it actually went until like two in the morning, which is pretty nuts. Double overtime. The Buffalo lost Travis Hunter. Pretty controversial call there. For those that don't know, Travis Hunter was running a go route. And strong safety came over after the ball had already hit the ground and bounced like 10 times. Maybe not 10, but it was on the ground for a second. And speared him. I mean, just lit him up down the sideline. The ref, you know, unnecessary roughness, 15-yard penalty, automatic first down or whatever, but didn't eject the kid, even though it was very clearly a a dirty hit. I don't know. What do you guys think there? Do you think you don't eject the kid? Do you think you eject him? I mean, Travis Hunter has a lacerated liver. It is football. Things happen. I don't don't know that he went over there to hurt him, but it sure looked like he did. Man, I've seen some targeting targeting calls that have gone or that were – much more ambiguous that they just assumed for targeting and just suited to get a kid out of there. And then this, it looked pl- uh, pretty blatant to me, but that's just me. I don't know, Taylor. Yeah, I was, I mean, I'm, it was, it was definitely late. Um, I'm just interested to see how they handle these situations the rest of the season, because, you know, they don't throw this player out next week. Something similar happens. What do they do? You know, um, Travis Hunter is huge for that team, and that is a big, big hit for the Buffalo. So, um, yeah, I, you hate to see it. And when I actually saw the play, uh, you say spear. I think it was like honestly a clean hit. It was just super late. You know, I mean, it wasn't helmet to helmet. It wasn't a lot of things that you see, but uh, yeah, it looked pretty, pretty blatant and late for sure. Yeah, I, I think that honestly. Colorado is the most like eccentric team in in the world, probably like you know in, in in the college football for sure. And when I say what I mean by that is that there are so many guys on that team that are just in your face everywhere all the time because they're huge social media celebrities, and you know obviously they've been lighting the world on fire since football came back, right? So you know Shadur Sanders being Dion's son and Shiloh Sanders and Travis Hunter and these guys are just they're all over TV, TikTok. I mean, whatever, you name it. And to make it worse, you know, before the game, they're all John because, you know, it's a huge rivalry and and whatever. Does this happen more times because they are such big celebrities right now 
I mean, I, I can't name hardly any other athletes out there that are on that level that are not like LeBron James or, you know, somebody, somebody of that status that just is in the communities, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, or well, like they, Caleb they, Williams or something like that, 100%. They definitely yeah. have much more visibility than everybody else in the NCAA. Um, you know, yeah, that's they, because Dion is a lightning rod. Uh, I'm sorry to cut you off, Taylor. Go ahead. No, no, you're okay. I was, I was just going to say, like you said, you know, they're, they carry themselves a lot differently than any other team. You know, you don't see Alabama acting that way. You don't see Ohio State acting that way. And Dion kind of leads the charge for that. You know, he's flashy and you see Shadur like, showing his watch off and you know all his chains and this and that and like cool but some teams are going to take offense to that and I'm, I'm not saying it was right but you're going to see things like that happen you know i mean the the underdog yeah, always wants to win and when you go into a game as an underdog and the other team's being super flashy i mean things like that are going to happen you're going to you're going to come to play and you're going to want to hit yeah I do want to say real quick cuz this is never going to hit national coverage because it's it's not the it's not the um, no, basically it's not the the message that mass media is going to want to show at this point in time. Dion, uh, I watched a video this morning of basically a, a message that Dion gave to the team today before practice or yesterday before practice, whatever. And one of the key highlights that he talked about, like throughout most of the video, was that they're doing stupid stuff in between games on the sideline, like stuff that they should not be doing as a team. He was like, I'm your coach, but it's not my job to keep you guys accountable. It's your guys' job to keep you guys accountable because I got guys lined up that want to be here. So if if you want to act that way, that's fine, but I'm going to get rid of you because it's all about the mindset and it's all about the attitude. And if you if you take that message and put it in someone else's mouth, someone else's face, somewhere else, it's gospel. You know what I mean? People are not going to really go with that now because Dion is so flashy and these guys have done what they've done. But that's a hell of a message, especially when, yeah, that's happening and it needs to be shut down. And if it starts with yeah. the kids and not with Dion, then it, it's better off, right? Well, let, let's be honest. I mean, I hate to say it, but this Buffalo team has done nothing. You know, I mean, they've won three in a row, which is great. Compared to last yeah. year, that's that's really something. But I mean... It's they're going to play their fourth game and they're playing against Oregon and USC. So maybe you beat those teams and then you kind of flaunt your stuff or whatever because I will. I mean, they're, they, they're fun they, to watch, but they're yeah, over under. Got, they're over. They're over under was three and a half. So I mean, they're all they're already damn near there. So that's something. But no, I, I agree yeah. completely. Yeah, but I mean, are you playing to win four games or are you playing to win a national championship? I don't know. Yeah. I guess I look at it a little different. I'm here. I was talking games. to Haley. I was talking to Haley about it this morning, and you know they they win. You know maybe they win seven, eight, nine. Maybe they win more than we think this year. And at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter that much because if you if you look at where they are right now today versus where they were last year, and that with a completely brand new team. I mean, Dion and company haven't even been there a calendar year yet. Did you know that Warren Sapp is their defensive? Uh, line coach shut up really i did not know that legend yeah he called so just real quick fun story he called dion and said i'm gonna get my transcript and i'm gonna come get a degree at colorado and i want to be a part of your staff and dion was like i got a spot for you and warren sap gets there he said that the kids immediately made him fall in love like everybody's just asking him you know what is 
the best way? Like what, what's the technique? What are things you did? And they were like, the kids were just obsessed with him and they all want to work and they all want to learn. And he was like, I'm gonna get my degree and I might not never leave because I just love this so much. So super cool story, man. No, I think that I know that, yeah, they're getting flashy and they're excited about three wins. I think they're the real deal. I think that the Travis Hunter being out of there really is a, it's a bad situation. I don't know how long some cracked cracked ribs and a lacerated liver is going to keep him out, but you know, he's a big part of that that team. Uh, Taylor, what was that? Sorry. Well, no, I mean just to touch on that, you're. I mean, I I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm just saying, like it's early on in the season, and you know they. It's a long season left. You know, they got a, a tough schedule coming up. So let's see him win against some pretty good teams. And then, you know, we'll, we'll reassess, reassess. But and then back to Jacob's point, you know, think about you and those guys' position. You know, let's say you're a running back and there's some Joe Blow high school coach they hire. Are you going to listen to him or are you going to listen to a guy like, let's say they bring Barry Sanders in to coach? I mean, just the name and the pedigree, you're going to be like, okay. This guy not only knows what he's talking about, but he's done it. So it'd be, I think it'd be a lot easier to gain respect as a guy like Ward Sapp. Question, who is Barry Sanders and what does he do? He uh, was one of my buddies that I was talking about worked at the convenience store. <laughs> I, thought he, I, thought he was famous, I thought he was famous for owning a bunch of car dealerships up around Stillwater. Is that a thing? No. That- <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well aware who Barry Sanders is. Thank you. No, Scott. I think the guy you're talking about played for OU, actually. Demond Parker. <laughs> couldn't tell you what his name is. He owns a bunch of car dealerships because he couldn't make it. Mm. Barry Sanders owns car dealerships. You know that, right? Okay, just making sure that you're clear. He's shut up. He was a football player. Just making sure you, Mister OSU, and whatnot, and just just checking. You uh, know what else Barry of- Sanders owns, Scott? The Philadelphia your, Eagles. Your heart. <laughs> <laughs> and that <laughs> <laughs> no man but speaking of big games coming up and travis hunter and all that jazz how do we think that uh arguably one of the biggest games of this this coming weekend how do we think our buffalo we're gonna fare against them ducks by the way i would take a buffalo over a duck all day <laughs> hmm. yeah well taylor you take I, it right here bub well I was, I was gonna say i think i like oregon in this game I mean, travis hunter being gone is a huge hit for that Colorado team not I mean that's the crazy thing about him is on both sides of the ball he affects the team you know and Oregon has been really good all year you know Bo Nix seems like he's played for seven years in college um he's played well um I think so I was looking at it and it said Oregon this year has averaged 60 points per game and allowed 18 and a half so it's definitely Colorado's first test so um, I'm interested to see it but I, I do think Oregon wins this game Scotty? Yeah, much to my chagrin, uh, you know, especially with Hunter out. I think that uh, Colorado comes back down to earth this weekend. It'll be a good one. Uh, you know, Dion's going to get them up, and they're going to play hard. But I think that Oregon's just too good of a complete team and too, yeah, too, too just well-rounded on both sides of the ball that I don't think that Colorado can hang. Yeah. I am definitely of the same mind as you guys. I I want to go just a little bit deeper than that. So Travis Hunter's out, right? We know that. Offensively, I think Dion actually has some guys that can step in there. Travis Hunter is obviously Travis Hunter. But there's some other guys waiting in the wings. They actually have a big tight end that 
kind of helped fuel the win the other night. I don't know if you guys saw that or not, but he uh, he uh, come in. I think he ran like 18 routes immediately, six, seven catches and a touchdown. And then after the touchdown, he caught the two-point conversion too. And it, it looked like, I mean, I don't know if you guys knew this, but they went 90-something yards in a two-minute drill without Travis Hunter. And, I mean, they looked like, a well-oiled machine, next man up kind of thing. So I know Colorado State is not Oregon, obviously. I think Colorado is going to miss Travis Hunter more on the defensive side of the ball than they are offensively is where I'm going with this. I would agree with that for sure. Because Bo Nix and company, I mean, they're <laughs> they're a high-flying offense. They were last year. They're going to be – they've already proven that they are this year as well. And they're not going to slow down anytime soon. So I stick to what I said last week on the pod. I think Oregon actually wins this one. It sucks that Travis Hunter isn't playing. I hope for a good game either way. Yeah, this will definitely put an asterisk next to it. But yeah, I think I think Oregon takes it. Yeah, Sanders, Sanders, Shador, uh, he leads that offense, and they can put up points. They can make big plays, and they can go on drives. You know, long drives. So. I, I do hope it's a shootout. I really do. Um, but ultimately, I hope Colorado's in the game. Agreed. Yeah, I, think, I mean, it's going to be close. But yeah, we'll see. Hopefully we're wrong. Team Buffalo all day. But we'll, we will see. How about... Uh, so, uh, I, I, I want to give this guy justice. His name is Michael Harrison. And he had 7 for 76 and 2 in the Colorado State game. So, big tight end. You know, maybe Oregon's going to struggle over the middle. Nice little narrative there. Anyway, move along, Scotty. No, nah, man, you're the 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 college guru, but all the, also seven for seventy six and two. I mean, that's a that is a rock star tight end stat line uh, from a fantasy standpoint, especially. That's that's incredible. Another game, then arguably the most talked about game this weekend, the Ohio State or the OSU, as people from you know the Ohio <laughs> Ohio River Valley would put it. Uh, versus Notre Dame, man, and uh, a gentleman named Hartman that you guys are both very familiar with. What do y'all think about that one? Who takes it? Yeah, I think uh, that Notre Dame offense has made a complete 360 since last year, um, getting Sam Hartman from our Wake Forest. Um, that, that They've been clicking. <laughs> they uh, They haven't played anybody tremendous yet, but I do think they go and play Ohio State, and I think they play them tough, and I don't know if they do win, but I'd love to see Notre Dame win this game. Um, just to kind of knock off one of the one of the top four teams seems like always makes a college playoff in Ohio State. But speaking of Ohio State, they uh, have some big name players, and they can make some big plays. Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Travion Henderson's back, running back, and he's solid. You know, the uh, verdict's still out, in my opinion, on Kyle McCord, the quarterback. But I I do think that that Ohio State team can probably score with anybody. So I will say that yes, Ohio State, they always have they consistently have awesome skill players and they've had good quarterback play for the longest time. But yes, McCord is a big question mark. And if you're just taking McCord versus Hartman, I would take Hartman all day. And if you're taking whatever a fire a fighting Irish is versus a buckeye, which is a tree, I would take a fighting Irish all day also. So based on those two things. Notre Dame. Oh, yeah, man. So Notre Dame, historically speaking, has had 
pretty poor quarterback play. They usually ride a really strong run game and you know that they might run the ball 30 40 times a game, get in their red zone, hit a tight end on a little little out route for a touchdown. I mean that that's kind of been their MO for quite a while. It's going to be tough. Ohio State's defense, their defensive front specifically, it's pretty solid. They're not going to allow a ton of yards on the ground. That being said, again, Notre Dame's run game is great. So, we'll see. That that might end up being a stalemate. Audric Estime, I believe is how you say his name, Notre Dame running back is probably going to work his way into the Heisman watch this year. I mean, stud. Dude, stud, dude. 18, 20 carries a game. Uh, if it hasn't if it wouldn't have been a blowout the last few weeks, I have absolutely no doubt that he would have every game with two to three touchdowns and 150 yards. I mean, dude is good. So, anyway, it'll be interesting to see. Like I said, Ohio State, they got a stout run D. Normally would be a kind of a kryptonite for Notre Dame. However, they do have Sam Hartman, and Sam Hartman can run and gun. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, that's definitely the game that I'm most excited about this weekend, especially with Travis Hunter being out in the other one. So, For sure. What other games do you uh, want to take us through there, sir? Man, really, the only other one, I think Alabama and Ole Miss is going to be a lot of fun. This is probably the year, if I had to guess, that Ole Miss takes Alabama. We've seen Alabama be streaky. They lost to Texas early in Tuscaloosa, which is unheard of for sure. Ole Miss, they got a high-flying offense. They do have some guys banged up as well. Trey Harris um, is a monster for them on the offensive side. He might not go this weekend. Not sure yet. So... They might have to really ride their run game pretty hard, and Quinshawn Judkins is a guy they can lean on. So Jackson Dart, he's a dual-threat quarterback. There's just a lot to be excited about there. Yeah, on the other side, uh, Alabama, you know, they're kind of going through some quarterback controversy right now. Um, They got Milrow, who I'm sure after last week's performance from the other two guys, I think uh, Milrow's probably the guy, the lesser of two evils at this point. But, uh, you know, Nick Saban finds a way. He always has. He probably always will. You know, like we talked about it last week, it's kind of Belichick and the Patriots. You can you can knock them down, but they're not ever out. Um, but yeah, I do like Ole Miss in this game. Uh, and quite frankly, it's exciting to think that Alabama can lose two very early on after losing to Texas. So let's go. Oh yeah, wait. I can't wait. Oh yeah. I, I would it, love for Alabama to go like five and six or something. That'd be amazing. Dude, that'd be. That'd be the best I college football season to win ever. Five games, <laughs> but <laughs> that's unrealistic. <laughs> it's if you from a from a bigger picture, Jacory Brooks is a wide receiver they've had for a few years now, and I think they really expected him to be a guy for them this year. They lost Trayshawn Holden in the you know what is now the free agency of of college football. He left and is actually at Oregon now, so there's another reason why Oregon is crazy, but. Ja'Cory Brooks, man, he hasn't played an offensive snap for Alabama yet this year, and it doesn't look like he's hurt. If he has played, they just don't want to get him the ball. He doesn't have any touches at all. So I I don't know what's going on there. Um, Anyway, the last game I want to touch on just for a second is actually UCLA and Utah, only because UCLA, they're good. They're real good. And I think we're going to see. Uh, after they beat Utah this weekend, how good they actually are. Dante Moore is an 18-year-old kid 
true freshman playing quarterback for UCLA, and the kid throws dots. Right now we're talking about Shadur Sanders. We're talking about Caleb Williams. We're talking about Bo Nix. We're talking about all the guys that are going to go in the next year or two. I promise you guys, three years from now, Dante Moore is going to be one of those people that is in that conversation. That's awesome. And you love to see somebody coming out like that and just being that talented. It so rarely happens that you see an 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid that's just progressed that far. Yeah. He actually beat out a three-year starter that transferred in to start there this year. So Chase Garbers out of uh, California has a pretty solid stat lines for them. But the freshman said, not today, bud. Well, in college, you really don't see a whole lot of, you know, true freshmen. You mean you see redshirted freshmen, but true freshmen starting anymore. You know, Arch Manning's on a bench somewhere. So it's, I say somewhere, it's Texas. But, you know, I mean, you, you don't see it a lot. So it, it's awesome seeing that. You know, you said he's a five-star, high expectations, and he's playing well. So it's good to see. Yep. And that, you know, that, that kind of wraps up college football for me this week. A lot of really exciting games. I can't wait to see how they unfold. Yeah, no, that's, we literally just like scratched the surface there. Ton of, ton, uh, ton of, uh, top 25 teams playing one another. I can't wait. But, uh, talking about what we're excited to see and what we were excited to see and how wrong we were, um, which has been far too frequently lately. Um, Let's recap last year's pro games. So much to Jacob and my chagrin, um, the Kansas City Chiefs bested our Jacksonville Jaguars, or Jaguars, I don't know if it's a soft J or not, uh, 17-9 in one of the most boring games I've ever witnessed. So, Taylor, uh, thoughts? Are Are you sad about the outcome of this? Well, dude, I was I was I was really liking that little promo you were dropping there for a second until you said, "Oh, one of the most boring games I ever watched." <laughs> but uh, hey, listen, a win's a win. After how we played against the Lions, our defense stepped up and held that Jaguars offense to nine points, which was needed. You know, Chris Jones played and looked very, very good. Looked dominant. Had a uh, one and a half sacks. Batted a couple balls down. Um, Travis Kelsey was back, caught a touchdown. Didn't go crazy, but just having him on the field, you know, the defense has to watch him, and it opens up uh, opens up things for other guys on the outside. So it was it was hard to watch at times, but I kept thinking Jacksonville's going to score. Jacksonville's going to score, and they just never did. And I'm okay with that. If we win games like that, then a win's a win in my book. Dude, Jones was playing like a man with his hair on fire. He was all over the field. He like Spags, uh, Steve Spagnola, the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs. For those who don't know, had him lining up on every aspect of the defensive line, and he was just a nightmare for that Jags offensive line. And it was incredible. Uh, J- J- Jacob was talking about him being out of shape and overweight and worthless. And I hope that he comes to your house in the middle of the night and tells you <laughs> you were wrong. But uh, no, the man looked like a human wrecking ball. It was. <laughs> crazy uh i the only thing i will say is that so kelsey two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties there yeah you, you hate to see a little that. bit of motion uh dude he's you know 34 year old man like what, what, what's up with that i don't know it like it seems like he was kind of that way last year too you know just letting his emotions get the best of him i say last year honestly past couple of years just letting his emotions get the best of him and kind of making stupid stupid penalties doing stupid things and had been key situations but uh 
I don't know. I I think first game back, lost to the Lions, a little emotion show, and I think I think we see it improved. Kelsey, you know next what it week. is, right? I'm sure you're going to tell me. He's letting Taylor Swift <laughs> Taylor Taylor Swift to get to the best of him or get to the better of him. <laughs> I'm having a hard time saying Taylor Swift without saying Taylor you, but yes, no, it's, that's what it is, dude. It's Taylor Swift, dude. Can't blame a guy. Get it, Travis Swifty. Yeah. Yeah, so to circle back to Scott pointing out that I was horribly wrong about Chris Jones, and I mean horribly wrong. Chris Jones, I'm sorry. You came out and you showed out, and what a performance. Well done. He was in the backfield more than Travis Etienne was. <laughs> Crazy. Speaking of people showing up at my house, I've had some <laughs> I've had some people text me this week about the Chris Jones take and not happy. Let me tell you, Chiefs fans, man, they're like the plague. Thick. Can't get away from them. That, I'm talking to you, Selena. Golly. No, I was horribly, horribly wrong. Josh Jacobs still looks like crap. I wasn't wrong about that. Chris Jones did <laughs> not look like crap. I was wrong about that. So there you go. Everybody listening. I think I've said I'm wrong like three times since we started this pod, though. So four rights may outweigh three wrongs, right? Hey. Sounds like sounds like Selena knows football. Yeah, but she I'll sure say does. this: you said early on, maybe one of the first pods we had, or maybe it was just to me, but you were talking about Eric Bieniemy leaving. I wonder if like Nagy, you know, is is part of the reason why the offense isn't clicking yet. So I expect us to have continued improvement, you know, as the weeks progress. So it's new for everyone, but yeah. It's it's tough to watch at times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it it really hasn't come completely to fruition yet, but I think it was the second or third pod that I, I kind of brought that up. And I still think that the Chiefs probably should lean a little harder on the run game. That was my theory never, for why they didn't. They will never do it. Never going to happen. Well, I mean, when you should pay happen. a quarterback for 15 years, I mean, you, you let him throw the ball. I get it. But. I, I felt like that's why they didn't cut Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or do something with him because they wanted all three backs there to be healthy. Maybe it was because they didn't think Isaiah Pacheco could be healthy for a whole season. Dude, I think Scott said it here a few weeks ago. He runs like he's mad at the ground, you know, so it's, it's hard to stay healthy if you're just running into brick walls all the time with no regard for your life. So and maybe maybe that's it. I'm not sure there. But, yeah, I think I think the transition from enemy to Nagy was difficult for sure, for Kansas City. Now, when you look at what Washington's doing offensively right now, I mean, you got to be happy for being to me, and especially my guy Sam Howell. Shout out, shout Dude, out. That was, that was the boy. most exciting game this weekend, man, that that Broncos-Washington game. Ugh. I think we can all agree. Is it cool if we just transition to that? You cool with that? Yeah, let's roll with it. Come on. Yeah, I think we can all agree that Russell Wilson completing a Hail Mary that was not supposed to happen. And then <laughs> the Broncos getting absolutely just shafted on the two-point conversion. Yep. I mean, as someone, yep. you know, the Saints organization have been ruined by pass interference calls or lack thereof many times hey. in the last decade. I know Hold what on. one looks like, and that was pass interference. You know what? I I didn't put this together until now, but... The Saints have gotten hosed over and over and over again when Sean Payton was the coach. 
Then Sean Payton goes to Denver, and then they get hosed on a non-PI call. I'm going to go ahead and say that maybe the NFL hates Sean Payton for being a douche. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, man. That truly could be it. I don't know. It's like Sean Payton left, and then I thought the Saints were just like relegated to the shadow realm or something. Like Everything was just awful for all those years, all three of them. And maybe we're peeking out of the clouds now. I mean, we're, we still don't look awesome, but we're 2-0. So, anyway. <laughs> That's my thought process because that that was it's just kind of wild how like calls just keep not going his way and maybe somebody at the top of the somewhere in the, someone at the top of the NFL was like let's let's make this man's life trash hell and yeah, maybe he should stop running his mouth and insulting my boy Nathaniel Hackett. I'm, I'm just gonna keep blaming it on Russell Wilson. He played there well, was, but I yeah. I just like to put the blame on him. Yeah. Don't trust Russ. I'm with you. And to be fair, uh, Nathaniel Hackett is not my boy. I'm just was making a point there. Don't want. Yeah, he can't. Don't want to be associated with that back. Oh, <laughs> sad. No, straight up, Sam Howell. I, I just want to talk about Sam Howell, frankly. No, he looked good, man. Good I'm going to victory lap this until Washington loses seven games straight, <laughs> and they won't because Sam Howell's, you know, anyway. The trust the touchdown pass that he threw to Terry McLaurin. I tweeted it from our fourth and forever sports account. Shameless plug. Go Give check it follow. out on Twitter. Retweet. Anyway, I tweeted it and it was the camera angle directly behind Sam house. So you can see down the field, you can see the coverage. You can see Terry McLaurin break his route off. Like all of it. Dude put the ball only where Terry McLaurin could catch it. And that was in double coverage. Like, Poetry. It was poetry. The kid's a gunslinger, man. And I don't I don't really think anybody can dispute that right now, especially with the offensive line woes that they have in Washington. That's a good Denver defense, man. I, the, the, ah. the fact that Ron Rivera openly came out and said, I did not know this kid was that good, is just yeah. just, just, just let you know all you need to know about Washington. Oh, I mean, yeah. He was good in college. You drafted him. What do you mean you don't know how good he is? Like that's yeah. just it's weird to me. I used to be a big Ron Rivera fan, but he didn't even know when that I can't remember if it was the second or last game of the season. He had no idea that they'd gotten statistically eliminated from the playoffs. And if you're the head coach, how do you not, <clears throat> how do you not know when you were out of the playoffs? Like that is I don't want to say your sole job, but pretty damn close to your sole job of knowing how you get in the playoffs. And this well, he should probably hire a guy for that. Stats I mean, guy? Something. Something. So, just a little tinfoil hat theory for you. Do you know what Eric Bieniemy's actual title in Washington is? Going to replace what's-his-face <laughs> midseason? Is that an actual title? <laughs> I mean, I don't think they're going to do that if they keep winning games. But, no, he's the offensive coordinator and the assistant head coach. Most times, guys are assistant coaches or coordinators. I don't feel like very often you hear about a guy being an assistant head coach unless you get hired to come turn the team around. And then at the end of the season, regardless of standings, you're going to cut the other guy loose. And the other guy in this instance is Riverboat Ron. He's going down with the ship. Right. Or you have His like, ship. you know, you need some mid mid season advisement or something. Right. But no, you're right. You usually don't, you, you usually don't hear those two things 
So Especially not for a guy that's been a head coach for like, what, 12 years now? Maybe longer than that? Yeah, a while. Long enough. Yeah. Old son is done. Mm. Shout out Sam Howe. So another game I want to get to, Baltimore and Cincinnati. Sad. Sad, sad day. Joey B does not look right. And uh, yeah. I'll, I'll say this. I hope you didn't take Jamar Chase with your number one pick in fantasy. Jacob, are you raising your hand? Hand up. It was me. I did it. I did it in a lot of leagues, actually. I was all in. And matter of fact, I'm still all in on Jamar Chase. It's early. It is early. They were 0-2 last year. They'll be fine. To be fair, when we talked about it early on, I don't know, episode 2, 3, 4, whatever it was, you did say, I want to take Jamar Chase, but Joe Burrow's health concerns me. So... Yeah. Asterix, yeah, you know, and it turns out I should have went Puka Nakua. Mm. No joke. No, hey, Cooper Cup uh, 2.0. Are we writing this? I mean, this game, his it was it was very apparent that his calf was not right, and this is something he's been kind of nursing for two months now. So, do you shut the man down for two more months? Like, what's the solution here? That should be. I mean, so for. For those who don't know, somehow, uh, the Baltimore Ravens ended up winning 27-24. Uh, all three of us took the Bengals to beat the Ravens, and we all have egg on our face, and we should not be posting a sports podcast because we can't predict shit. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, so, with all that being said, the, the Ravens are a good team. Divisional round game. The Bengals are now 0-2 in the division. The Ravens are now 2-0 on the season. The Ravens are going to be playoff contenders. That's that's a fact. What do the Bengals do? Should, do they shut Burrow down? Do they keep going and hoping he hoping he just walks it off? What do you guys think? Well, I think being zero and two, you gotta you gotta think that they uh, wish they would have at least sat him the first two games of the season because apparently it wasn't worth playing him. But that's the future of your franchise. You just signed him to a huge contract. I'm not saying I'd sit him, but Something to talk about for sure, because I mean, you paid him a lot of money. He showed what he could do when he's healthy, and like you said, they were zero two last year, and look where they went: AFC Championship. Yeah. So, who knows? I mean, that's I don't know the extent of his injury. I don't know how serious it is. Obviously, it's bothering him, but he's not playing a hundred percent. And it's I'm not saying he's costing them games, but I I don't think their second string is going to go out and do much better. So I don't know. I hate to I hate to get him hurt worse than he already is. Yeah, yeah. He he looks physically and visibly hampered. Like he just looks hampered, and you know it's one of those things. It's like Russ a couple of years ago with his finger, uh, or Baker Mayfield a couple of years ago with his shoulder. Sometimes you've got to just let your body recover and realize that you're going to have a lame duck year. If you got to take the year off, it's better for the franchise if you come back 100 percent next year rather than screw yourself up for half the year this year and then go on IR. That's just my take. But I'm I'm not him. I don't know his body, but that's just my take. They just need to go get Fitzmagic. He it's looks it. good in them he looks good in them commercials. He looks healthy. Yeah, he does, dude. Yeah, he does. I here's what I think happens. You gotta remember that that offense is still crazy. Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow. They no no question about that. But they need to shut him down. Because He's gonna. He, they're running the risk of long-term effects on their franchise quarterback, right? And 
that's not worth it. Yeah, they're 0-2 right now. They started 0-2 last year, like we've said. Why don't they go get somebody that's on the bench right now, like Jameis Winston, for example? That would be a, a fantastic pickup for them in that offense. Maybe they go six weeks with Burrow on the shelf, win some games, you know, <laughs> try and stay in the division a little bit. It's kind of a dumpster fire right now, honestly. I think they go get a serviceable backup, live to fight another day with Burrow, and then bring him back when he's actually fully healthy. Maybe midseason, you know, it, it depends on what they can get done between now and then. But Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, you know, Mixon, Irv Smith, the rookie Chase Brown, Tyler Boyd. I mean, they and they reinforce their offensive line. So a serviceable backup will be able to score a lot of points in that offense. I, I don't think it's I, out of the question. I, mean, I, I really like that take because a lot of times you worry, okay, we go get a guy who's pretty good, then we have quarterback controversy. Healthy Bert, Joe Burrow, there's no controversy. You know, I mean, you, you get a guy who comes, maybe can win three of five or whatever, keep you in where you can go on a winning streak, you could be in contention at the end of the season and your quarterback's 100%. So I actually do like that take a lot. I think I think that the Bengals should be listening to this podcast right now and be like that, Jacob. He's, he's on I mean, to something. Let's be real. Most NFL GMs should be listening and getting their cues from this podcast, if we're being honest. It's just it's what it is. Can you imagine how long it's going to take them to figure out that Scott's bald spot is not like a defensive scheme or something, and it's actually your head that we're talking about? It looks like so anyway, those up there. Uh, Thursday <laughs> Run night, bald spot. Last... Run bald spot. <laughs> so, last, so last Thursday night, my Philadelphia Eagles uh, took on no one's Minnesota Vikings, and we came out victorious. Uh, gentlemen, what were y'all's takeaways from that? Yeah, shut that ball spot shit down. <laughs> yeah, you, you transitioned rather aggressively, I might say. <laughs> anyway, I mean, that game, I don't remember what my what my stance was. I know I said Philadelphia was going to win, and I know that we were all really high on TJ Hawkinson, who had a two-touchdown huge game for him. So, you know, honestly... I'm pretty happy with with how that turned out. Um, I believe I was pretty high on A.J. Brown to get something done this week, and he didn't. So I'll take the L for that one. But outside of that, go Eagles. So I got to ask, what did you think DeAndre Swift was going to do at 7.05 before kickoff that day? I'll I'll never uh, ask Jacob for running back advice again. So (laughs) let's talk about... I said DeAndre Swift was not going to get 20-plus touches. I think I said he's not going to get 25 touches. And Scott said, yes, he is going to get 25 touches, you stupid idiot. And I was like, wow, that's aggressive. It was was super uncalled for. To which I then said, fine, he's still not going to get 25 touches, and Jalen Hurts is still going to get two rushing touchdowns from the one because it's a freaking cheat code, and it's what they do. And what happened? We were both right. <laughs> in in fairness, like DeAndre Swift almost got in three times, but dude got stopped on like the six inch yard line. And oh man, but yeah, no, I, I wanted a victory lap. I told you Swift was going to go off this game. He that, went uh, all the way off. That's right. That that Eagles offensive line is far and away the best in the league. I think they proved that week in and week out. But I think the Vikings kind of let themselves get out of the game a little early. And not taking anything away from the Eagles, but Kirk Cousins actually lit that defense up for 100%. at least the, the second, third, and fourth quarter, you know. But I still think 
Justin Jefferson has to be thinking in the back of his head, what do I got to do? Yeah, yeah so I no do, doubt. I want to go, go a little in depth in this game on a couple different levels. Um, one, so I mentioned going into it that Philly's middle of the field, their linebacker core and their safety core was thin, and Minnesota did a really good job of taking advantage of that. We did have a couple fumbles go our way. Um, I also want to say that New England, you know, Minnesota tried to replicate what New England did as far as key in on uh, our deep plays, right? And I was really, you know, I was kind of blowing you guys up frustratingly via text that it was very apparent that the te- teams are dropping seven guys and leaving four dudes in the box. And if a defense is going to leave four guys within the first five yards of scrimmage and you've got the best offensive line in the game, just key off, just run it down their goddamn throats. And I think we're going to see a lot of that until teams start to put more dudes in the box. And then all of a sudden, A.J. Brown and Devontae is going to go off. And you saw that later on in the game. That's why Devontae got so wide open is they realized that, holy crap, DeAndre Swift is just getting six yards of carry, and this is not sustainable. So I'm really curious to see how defenses line up in the future. They're like, all right, do we try to take the run away, or do we try to take the deep ball away? And you can't do both. You're going to end up leaving yourself exposed one way or the other. Um, even though Minnesota did do a really good job of taking away the, the quarterback keeper, they, I think that Brian, Brian Flores was like, all right, listen, we're going to drop seven dudes, and if they RPO it, we're just going to assume that Jalen Hurts is keeping that football. And it worked initially. And then Jalen Hurts realized he needed to stop keeping the football. And then we tore him up on the ground. So, like I said, I'm really curious about the next three or four weeks, how defenses are going to adapt and what Billy's offense looks like. Uh, but if I'm being honest, I need to see more out of Jalen. And I need to see more out of the, you know, D- Dallas, uh, Dallas Goddard and uh, A.J. Brown specifically. Because that, this our offense has not been as multi-dimensional as we're used to being. So rant over. The e- Eagles did go against the uh, league sack leader so far this year too. And Daniel Hutter, he had three against you guys, which is, I mean, he's a he's a good player. But that's he's tied with T.J. Watt for the for the league lead right now. It's only two weeks, but I mean they're four apiece through two games. That's off to a hot. That's start. crazy. That's crazy. But you also have to. You have to take that with a bit of context because in an RPO, Hurts you know acts like he's going to give it to Swift and then runs it himself and then gets tackled one one yard behind the line of scrimmage that counts as a sack. When in reality, it's just them keying in on him like running. That's that Whoa. was my thought process. I'm super frustrating. Still a sack. It. Yeah, for hundred percent. I mean, he still. I mean, if it's an RPO, he still has the pass option. So yeah, no, you're not wrong. Um, and and they played. The, the first two two quarters, they played phenomenal football. I just want to contextualize it a little bit. Yeah. You know, in hindsight, that, that that's such a simple schematic idea, what you just described, Scott. Like, yeah, if a team has the fastest, most dynamic receivers and they have a bunch of them, let's just drop seven guys and take them away completely. So offensively, yeah run it down their throat. There's nothing they can do about it. In hindsight, we should have known that Miami was going to consistently do that because nobody can play coverage on those wide receivers. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, you know, all the speed they have down there. Raheem Mostert seems like a super optimal pickup in every fantasy league, like everywhere, because 
that's what's going to happen. He he scored week one against Chargers. He had a crazy game against New England, and New England is always going to be one of the better defensive teams anybody's going to see. So, yeah, not not to completely transition away, but like that would have been a good no, idea but- to have four months ago when we were drafting teams. But that's the thing is that if you look at last year, like Miami is one of the least offensive, least efficient teams in the run game last year. And that's why they ended up losing so many games down the stretch is they couldn't, their running back or their their run game could not complement their passing game. And so whenever teams started taking away their passing game, they ended up losing games. That's why they, that's why they struggled. Yeah. That's also why they drafted a running back because they had so many injuries last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was very apparent what New England's goal was this week, and it was to not let Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle beat him over the top. And like you said, Mostert just had a heyday because they were dropping linebackers. They were taking linebackers out and bringing safeties and corners in just to cover over the top so they could double and triple these guys. And I mean, it cost them, but they did. They slowed them down. You know, I mean, you got to be able to score points and win that way if that's what you're going to do. And yeah, then New England unfortunately is having trouble scoring points points right now. Dude, I gotta say I've never been a Mac Jones truther, but guy actually looked competent, and he was putting some really good touch on some footballs whenever he had time in the pocket. Like he actually looked, he looked a lot better than I'm used to Mac Jones looking. So credit credit to him for sure. Yeah, a, I mean, it, that was a heartbreaker of a heartbreaker of a game, by the way. Oh, dude. Miserable for sure. And I've never been the type to root for any Bill Belichick team for sure. But yeah, it was a heartbreaker, especially because, and I've kind of been on this take a little bit for a while. I think Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator, even though he sucked as a head coach everywhere he's been offensively, he's a, he's a great football mind. He's shown that in Alabama. He's shown that, I mean, he's shown that other places and Mac Jones already has a lot of time under Bill O'Brien because he was there for their, you know, national championship run. And so I I think that's a huge piece of it. This year they've shown that they're not afraid to throw the football. And you know, that's that's crazy because that really benefits Max, you know, MO kinda. You know what I mean? So I think that's been a huge step up. They need to spend more time in their quote unquote hurry up offense, as far as I'm concerned. If they get the ball out fast and, and move quickly they are very efficient. But as soon as they try and slow the game down and take the air out of the ball, like different Bill Belichick offenses have done in the past, they get stood up, they get stymied, they don't get any yards. I mean, it's just, it's miserable to watch. So it's a night and day different game whenever they're hurrying, hurrying the offense up, you know? Yeah, when they got rid of Jacoby Myers last year, I was really surprised. But then they brought in Juju and they brought in, I think Devontae Parker was there last year. But they have Devontae Parker. They went and got Mike Jacecki. You know, they have Hunter Henry again. They actually have weapons in that offense. Ramondre Stevenson out of the backfield. They went and got Zeke. You know, I think that, you know, this isn't normally how the Patriots are. You know, normally the Patriots have Gronk and they have a little slot receiver. I mean, they had Randy Moss, but with the exception of that, you know, they they had Tom Brady, so they never had to have weapons all over the field. Where now it's like, okay, let's go get some guys who are, you know, Juju was a number one receiver at the Steelers when Antonio Brown left and uh, in Kansas City, you know? So, I mean, do I think he's the best number one receiver? No, maybe not. But I definitely think they went and got some competent guys who they can surround Mac Jones with. 
Juju's like a one and one and a half, one and one half receiver. Like he's not a number one receiver. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of funny that they're like molding what Bill Belichick wants to do with Bill O'Brien's offensive scheme, right? Like Bill O'Brien is quite obviously a spread it out, open it up, <laughs> go routes. I mean, let's push the ball down the field. Belichick is line them up and knock them down, you know, ground and pound football. And so the the combination is what we see is two tight end sets constantly. I mean, Hunter Henry and Jasicki are both playing like 80% snap count right now. Like they just don't come off the field. So it, it's just a, a different kind of hybrid look than what we're probably used to seeing Bill O'Brien wise, I guess, if that makes sense. Well, and they're, you can see it, right? The, so they're clunky. And the last, you know, we're two games in, and both the games, the offense was, the offense was clunky in the first and second quarter. And then th- quarter three, quarter four, they're starting to figure it out, and they're starting to jive a little bit. And I think you hit the nail on the head that that's two different schemes coming together and trying to figure out how to make that work together. And so you know, going forward as the season progresses, I think they'll start to streamline that a little bit. But it's just two concepts who don't know how to work <laughs> work well together, trying to kind of make jazz out of it, I guess. Yeah. So uh, other than that, y'all, um, I did want to touch on injuries. They're piling the hell up. Uh, lots of running backs out. Eckler's missing some time. Uh, Saquon got carted off. And most notably and disconcertingly, uh, Nick Chubb went down uh and monday night and that was not pretty what do you got what's y'all's take on how that impacts the league and the running back position and kareem hunt getting booked up by the the browns coming home to to them that's kind of wild what do y'all's takes on that it's just kind of disappointing yeah. and, and that, it's sad not disappointing sad it's unfortunate yeah the Kareem the kareem hunt to the browns seems like a good fit but uh yeah you, you hate to see it you really do you know nick chubb a guy who is so impactful for that team. Uh, Jerome Ford kind of stepped in and played well, but he's not Nick Chubb. You know, Nick Chubb's a guy who 17 games a season goes crazy, you know, and um, he had what I believe is a similar injury in college, and you just hope that he's able to bounce back from something like this. Uh, but the the whole running back scene, they're not really they're not really helping their case on the whole contract thing right now. Um, you know, you want to sign a guy long term, and they play a tough position. It's it's hard to stay healthy. I don't know. I mean, like like you said, Scott, you absolutely hate to see it, um, especially because Chubb seems like a like a stand up guy. See, I see. I would almost argue that they're making they're actually making their case for their you know pay the, these people because Cleveland literally forty eight hours after Chubb goes down. You know, he's one of the only few, he's one of the few backs in the NFL that can, you know, can get on my back. I'm going to carry you to victory running back player, running back players, running backs. <laughs> and, and Cleveland at least recognized that, hey, that's kind of important. So 48 hours later, we're going to pick up Kareem Hunt, the most, the best option on the market as is, right? So I'm I'm wondering if with these guys going down like they are and how detrimental that'll be to these offenses if maybe gms will be like oh maybe we should pay pay these guys because our offense sucks without these dudes in the lineup anymore if that makes sense 
Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have to argue with you there. I feel like if guys keep going down, they're going to want to pay him less. You know what I mean? Yeah. A crazy mega contract is worth absolutely no good if, you know, sorry, Nick Chubb, but might not ever play again. You know what I yeah, mean? The, be- the best ability is availability. Yeah. Facts. I mean, and for those that, I, go ahead. I appreciate that. But like, you know, so Joe Burrow goes down and he just made $275 million. And I'm not saying that Nick Chubb is the same to the Browns that Joe Burrow is to the Bengals, but the Bengals are going to just appreciate the fact that their season's lost if Joe Burrow goes down for the season, is out for the season. That's my point, is that if you have... Well, go no, no, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to say that how many people can you go pick up to replace Joe Burrow? Yeah, but I mean, I'm saying like if... if Well, it's it's hard to equate one or the other because you can't really like if you, there's no way to know like if Chubb plays 17 games there's no way to to take a look and be like okay they're 10 and 7 cuz Chubb is in the lineup and then they're 6 and 11 because Chubb is out of the lineup but with Joe Burrow if he's out of the lineup they're very visibly going to be 4 and 13 or some nonsense right and they're going to be a playoff contender with him even though the variance may be very similar like that does that make sense uh, that was the point that I was trying to make is that I could see these teams like the Giants. If Saquon misses a lot of time, I feel like they're not competitive at all without the man. So the value is there. Not they're not all injury prone, but I just feel like that these these their lack of presence could be felt a lot more than maybe they would have realized beforehand. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't disagree. I definitely think that you know no matter what position you play in the NFL. You know, if you're if you're a key member of that team, if you go down, your presence is going to be felt when it missed, you know. But I also think, like I said, you know, Joe Burrow goes down. What quarterback can you go pick up? You know, you said, I think, episode two or three about how jam-packed, you know, everybody wants to be a running back. You know, every, everybody growing up, you know, if you're an athlete, you're a running back, whatever. There's a lot of them out there, and I'm not saying they're Nick Chubbs. But what I am saying is there's options. You know, your sure. your 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 season isn't completely ruined if your running back goes down compared to if Mahomes, Herbert, you know these guys go down. That's a big hit because you got your backup, which great. You know, maybe you have a great backup who can carry the team. Maybe you got a Brock Purdy sitting on the bench who steps up and plays incredible. But as far as free agency goes, you know, go get Tom Brady, I guess. Speaking of, is. Tom Brady or Kirk Cousins a jet within the next two weeks? You say Kirk Cousins? Yeah. Is that the, is it I, is that the talk? Uh, for a chatter. I, I have that? also seen that big Kirk Cousins guy. If Kirk Cousins goes to the Jets, they win the Super Bowl. Hot take. <laughs> Stop it. Whoa. <laughs> hey, here's the thing though. Real talk, real quick. Why do they hate Brees Hall in New York? He's coming back from an ACL tear, bro. He's I was going to say, you, I think they love him, actually. I don't think there's hate there. I think it's more of a, let's let's get this guy healthy because he's second rounder. Or was he first rounder? Yeah. I think rounder. he was a first rounder. Was Scott's he? wrong. No, he actually probably was a second rounder. Yeah, I think he was a second rounder. But It's you, fine. You get my point. He got four touches in the game against Dallas. I mean, did they I'm just decide okay. early on Dude, that like I'm okay with that? No, whatever. I'm okay with that. Like that game was No, nah, whatever. I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good thing you're the GM, Scott. Mm. 
I am. Anyway. I Moonlight as the Jets GM. That's why we suck. I was just like on the tip of my tongue. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Hey, you yeah, stay right away from your back calls. <laughs> I mean, you, you got Dalvin Cook. I mean, it's not like you got some some scrub yeah. back there. Like he's and they how, have did, a, how did he do? He fumbled like two plays into the game. He's like, well, there you yeah. go, Micah Parsons. Yeah, Micah <laughs> like, Parsons is a dude. You can't say it enough. Even, Micah Parsons is a dog. Yeah, but he is. He, That's facts. But it. He didn't knock the ball out. Micah Parsons literally like took it out of a falling to the ground Dalvin Cook's lap. He was just like, yeah. oh no. <laughs> yeah, but like Micah Parsons obviously has special powers. I mean, we see him every week. He just magic that ball right out of Dalvin Cook's hands. Apparently, he just muscled it out of there. Right. Too bad he can't figure out how to magic the Dallas Cowboys into a playoff run, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Man, you guys want to touch on some upcoming games? I actually don't have any of these that I'm super excited about. I mean, maybe it's bad content for a podcast, but what do y'all think? I like the I like the battle of the O and twos, the Chargers and Vikings. I think that could be a good game. That could be a good game. Which like which is one? crazy that they're both O and two. May I add? It is crazy. Hundred percent agree. And we don't have to get too deep on it. I just that's a game I'm actually looking forward to. Yeah, for sure. Should be a shootout, I would think. I mean, the Vikings have put up a ton of yards uh, every game they played so far, and so have the Chargers. The Chargers' offensive line is actually one of the best in football right now, fun fact. So I don't know if Austin Eckler is going to get to play or not. It sounds like he didn't practice today. So Josh Kelly, this is kind of interesting. So this camp, the Chargers' running back room was kind of – split i guess we'll say i mean we knew austin eckler was the guy but as far as backup goes it sounded like isaiah spiller was kind of in the mix for a while and guess what josh kelly got almost 100 percent snaps against tennessee and isaiah spiller did next to nothing and the other guy that they have there who i don't remember right now also did next to nothing so this is the josh kelly show as long as eckler's out it appears kelly even being the starter did next to nothing Tennessee is stout against the run, dude. My my biggest issue... Go ahead. I was just going to say a competent offensive coordinator knows that the Titans are absolute dog against the pass. And you have Justin Herbert, who can push the ball down the field. And you have excellent receivers at every location who can catch the ball down the field. So you know what, Scott? It doesn't matter that Josh Kelly didn't do anything because they did exactly what they needed to do and lost the game. All right? All right. <laughs> well, so what, my, what they need to biggest... do is fire Brandon Staley. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hate that, dude. Not more than Josh McDaniels, though. You suck, Josh. My my biggest question when it comes to snap share isn't the running back room. My biggest question is Josh Palmer and Quentin Johnston. Bruh. I don't, Josh Palmer got 54% snap share and Quentin Johnston got 15 so I'm just so, so confused by what's going on. I have a theory, and I know that my theory is probably right. So <laughs> <laughs> I did a little deep dive on this earlier because I wanted to know what was happening there too. And I went to individual Snapshare, specifically where guys are lining up at. And here's the thing to make this analysis very short and sweet. Quentin Johnston is the direct backup for Mike Williams. It's not a, it's not a one, two, three type setup. 
Josh Palmer is probably going to be standalone value no matter what this year because him and Keenan Allen are on the outside and Quentin Johnston and Mike Williams are often in the slot either side, right? So Mike Williams played almost 100% snaps out of the slot this last weekend. Quentin Johnston played very minimal, giving Mike Williams a spell, basically. So as it stands today, he is the direct backup to Mike Williams, which is good for him. Because Mike Williams is, you know, hope not, but Mike Williams is probably going to get hurt in like the next two or three weeks because he does every year. So bad if you're a big Quentin Johnston holder like me, but I don't know, man. I, that's just that's how last game shook out. I didn't look at week one, but I know Mike Williams didn't play much week one due to a head injury, and Quentin Johnston got more snaps. So that, I mean, that that kind of tells you. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So that checks out. I yeah, makes sense now that you say. I mean, it doesn't make sense to be honest. To me, it doesn't make sense. But you explaining it that way, I I get that they have it where you have you're playing behind a person and not a depth chart position. You know, okay, you're the third wide receiver, fourth, fifth, whatever. They have it where you're. It's more positional than just the position. If yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's X, Y, and Z. It's X, Y, and Z, not one, two, three. Right. So you've got yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Right, it's easy as X Y Z, not easy as one two three. Exactly. No, shut up. <laughs> the X and the Y and the Z positions are different. <laughs> Wide receiver lumps everybody into like a whatever. I'm not going to get into this, you guys. <laughs> <sighs> All right, take us out, Jacob. I got nothing left. I'm done. Yeah, boy. Hey, one more time, we want to thank everybody for coming by. This is our official eighth episode, and it has been a blast. I feel like we're getting better every single week, and I hope you guys think so too. So please continue to like, share, follow, do all the things on all of the socials. We are really doing our best to blow this thing up, but we can't do it without you. So please, one more time, hit all the socials. Let us know. Give us some feedback. We'd love to talk about some different things on the pod if you guys drop some drop some hot knowledge on us. So. Anyway, this is 4th and Forever Sports. We out. Podcast country. Let's ride.